We're continuing our series today on saying yes, and today we're particularly going to talk about saying yes to second chances. And as we, we begin discussing this topic, if you would afford me opportunity just to share with you a bit of my story uh, in terms of my life story. Uh, my parents passed away many, many years ago, but what I do remember from growing up, particularly as a young, younger child in primary school, uh, was that I had a good home, I was happy, I always felt uh, relatively safe, but I also recognized that my home wasn't always the same as my friends' homes, because uh, although I had a good, good home and a good family, our family was structured around particularly my father. And the reason for this is my father battled basically his whole life with mental illness. And that created somewhat of a dysfunctional aspect into how we grew up. And I, you know, I realized there's no such thing as a perfect family, but my family had to uh, govern itself around my father's mental illness. And so uh, at some stages, his mental illness was quite severe, and that created some ongoing difficulties for us as a family. And what that did is it uh, created a lot of opportunity to get hurt and offended by some of the things that were said or done in some of the processes. But my story was then that I created ongoing opportunities for me, particularly after I grew a little bit older and I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It created opportunities for me to forgive. And so there was a moment when I, I had to forgive my dad quite substantially just based on some historical things. But for many years after that, the, the situation and the home life continued in the way that it had. And so my journey of forgiveness became very much an ongoing journey of, you know, when something new happened or something new, new dynamic had entered the family situation to continue to forgive. Even into my adult years, uh, being married and things like that, there was still this ongoing journey of forgiveness that had to take place. And so as we're talking today about saying yes to second chances, we are talking about forgiveness. And I wonder what your journey of forgiveness looks like. Perhaps it's similar to mine where there's been an ongoing journey of forgiveness. Perhaps your journey is different where there's just been certain people, certain events, certain occasions where you had to forgive people. But what was your journey of forgiveness like? And so today we want to talk about forgiveness. And so we're going to talk about why to forgive, why is it sometimes so difficult to forgive, how to forgive, and some different aspects around forgiveness. But let's start with a question about why to forgive. I think the place to start with any discussion on forgiveness is with the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus where he died for us is a fundamental illustration for us of who God really is. Well, it's more than an illustration. It's actually a demonstration of who God is. And what we learn from the cross and throughout the scriptures is that God is a forgiving God. It is in his nature and character. Even when God revealed himself to Moses on Mount Sinai, he said he's the Lord, the Lord's uh, slow, uh, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. He's a forgiving God. We know also from the scriptures that God wants us to become increasingly like him and to be like him. And so what Jesus demonstrates for us on the cross, even when the greatest injustice has been done to him, unspeakable cruelty, undeserved punishment has been laid on him. It's recorded for us in Luke 23, where Jesus still says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And in those words and in that action, Jesus demonstrates the nature of God. And so one of the reasons we forgive is because God is forgiving. We forgive because God forgave us 
in Jesus Christ on the cross. Because God forgives us, the option of us living in a way that he's forgiving towards others becomes much more possible. If we stick and look at Jesus on forgiveness, we see that Jesus taught that forgiveness is critical. And we want to look at two stories, both in the Gospel of Matthew, or two incidents. One's a story, one's a, a teaching. In the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus specifically teaches about forgiveness. The first story is in Matthew chapter 6, from verse 9 to 15. Matthew 6, from verse 9 to 15. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. But this is the passage where it's recorded for us that Jesus' disciples come and ask him to teach them to pray. And so for many of us, particularly if you grew up in, in church or were exposed to church, you learned the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, depending on your church tradition, it would have been called different things. But I'd like to read Jesus' response to the question, teach us to pray. It's starting in verse 9, Matthew 6. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then Matthew records for us that Jesus says something after that in verse 14. For Jesus says, if you do not forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also Forgive, sorry, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sin. So interesting that just immediately after being Jesus' teaching to pray, he adds this very important aspect that affects our prayer lives, but that he teaches us about forgiveness. And what Jesus clearly says here is that there is a relationship between receiving forgiveness from God and being forgiving towards others. Forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have sinned against us, who are our debtors, who have trespassed against us. And the fact that Jesus qualifies us and is so specific in this passage shows us that God is really serious about forgiveness because it's part of who he is and he wants us to be like him. There's a narrow parable that Jesus told on the topic of forgiveness that we need to look at. It's in Matthew chapter 18. And I'm going to read the extended passage here, the whole passage of Scripture. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to follow with me on your devices, it would be great. Matthew chapter 18 from verse 22 to 35. I'm going to read the story and then comment. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not even seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. He began the settlement with a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, so a whole lot of money. The, the point here is perhaps not so much the amount as the fact is that it was more than the man could ever replay, repay. The man owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Uh, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a few hundred, hundred silver coins.
coins. So in other words, much less. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt, which would essentially mean never. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. Verse 35. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Such sobering words from Jesus. But what Jesus does in this parable, he illustrates for us that that which God has forgiven us of, the 10,000 bags of gold, is far, far greater than any other forgiveness we might need to do to one another or for one another in this space. But Jesus applies the same principle. We have been forgiven Therefore, we should also be prepared to be forgiving. Just one comment on Peter's question to Jesus. He comes to Jesus and he says to him, how many times should I forgive? And then he, you know, I can just imagine Peter in his mind going, well, let me be, I mean, this is Jesus I'm talking to. Let me be really extravagant. Should I forgive seven times Jesus? In other words, much more than perhaps what is religiously required, much more than what people would expect, much more than what society would demand. Not that I just forgive once, that I forgive seven times. And then Jesus says to Peter, actually, in the more literal translation, 70 times seven. Uh, The NIV translated 77 times. But Jesus' uh, uh, exhortation to Peter is you keep on forgiving. You forgive multiple times. You forgive as many times as you need to. And so that's why even for those of us who have had ongoing journeys of forgiveness, we keep on forgiving. There's never a limit on how much we keep on forgiving, simply put, because there's really not a limit on that God will forgive us for our sins too, as long as we take responsibility for them, as is defined in the scripture, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And so we see from these illustrations of Jesus' teaching that forgiveness is important to him. And when we forgive, we act like God, because God is forgiving. And even when we can't forgive, we can tap into the mercy of God to be like him and to be forgiven and trust for a grace and a mercy and an empowering to come from the Spirit. So why do we forgive? Because God forgave us, but also because God expects us of us, Jesus taught it to us. And also, if we don't, there can be some torturous consequences for us because we become trapped in bitterness, resentment, and hatred. And when we forgive, our souls can come free from such things as that. So that is why we forgive. But why do we sometimes find forgiveness so difficult? Now, I think there can be many reasons, and it can really depend on who you are, where you're at in your life, but also the circumstances and the situations that occurred. But I'd like to just talk about three aspects related to why is it so difficult to forgive today. One of the reasons it is difficult to forgive is that we do really get hurt, and we do really get damaged. And when the hurt is real, and the damage is real, and the rejection is real, and the offense is real, and the wounding is real, and the violation is real, or that betrayal is real, for us, that is really hard. It hurts, 
And so that is one of the reasons why forgiveness can be difficult, because it matters to us. And so the effect of rejection, betrayal, violation is deep and powerful in our lives. And sometimes that uh, raises up feelings that make it difficult to forgive. We're going to talk a little bit later about how to forgive, and we'll address this element there. But when we think of forgiveness, we mustn't deny that it's real. And the damage and the hurt can be very, very real to us. Whether the other person intended it or not, whether they had good intentions or evil intentions, whether we misinterpreted them or we got it dead right, it hurts us. It's about our experience. And so the damage is real and that can make it difficult. But there's another reason why we sometimes battle not only to forgive but to receive forgiveness. And that is, simply put, pride. Whether we're giving or receiving forgiveness or asking for forgiveness, Sometimes it, uh, pride can make it difficult for us to be able to step over and to do that and to actually ask for forgiveness or receive forgiveness. Jesus tells an interesting story in Luke chapter 18. We're not going to read it. It starts at verse 11 in Luke 18. But Jesus tells a story about two men who came to pray. One was a Pharisee. In other words, he thought of himself as good and righteous and doing the right things in life. The other man was a tax collector or a publican. He was he understood himself to be an outcast and a sinner. But the Pharisee comes and he prays and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not a robber and adulterer. I'm definitely not like this tax collector that's standing a short distance away and praying. And so that's the Pharisee's prayer that Jesus tells us about. The tax collector comes, Jesus says, and he, he won't even look up to heaven and he beats his breast and he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And there Jesus says something very interesting. He says, I tell you this man, meaning the tax collector, the repentant man, the penitent man, he says, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. You see, if we adopt a position of pride in our hearts and we think we're better than others, it becomes almost impossible to forgive. Sometimes we get hurt and we develop a pride that I find quite interesting. It's a pride that we take pride in our victimhood. And that starts forming in our identity. And, and that form of pride can also prevent us from being forgiven. You see, it's so easy to think that we're better than others. It's so easy to think that we're right. It's, you know, it's that uh, statement that we make that we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions. And so sometimes in any situation, maybe you were 100% wrong. Maybe you were a victim, particularly if you were a child and relatively helpless. And the other person is 100% guilty and responsible. You're still responsible for the long-term response in your heart. If you've held unforgiveness or you've become bitter or you hate, you still hold responsibility for that. And pride can make us not be prepared to see that. I think what is helpful, I started by talking about the cross, is that we realize that we're all people that have fallen. The Bible clearly says this, that all of humanity has fallen. And all of us need to come to the cross and through the cross to receive forgiveness. You see, we're not only born sinners, we are also sinful. In other words, we act sinfully. Everyone does. Now, some sins are probably more consequential and have a much worse effect than other sins. But we are all painted with the same brush of being sinful. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 tells us that the heart is deceitful and wicked and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And, and the implied answer is actually only God. And because God understands our hearts, he understood that the cross would have to happen to pay the price for our wicked hearts. We've all done different sins. 
we're all sinners. And this is humbling and challenging and perhaps even difficult to grasp. That no one is more deserving of forgiveness than anybody else. God forgave us even though we were undeserving. God will forgive if they repented and they confessed their sins, the person that has wronged you. No one is deserving of forgiveness, but God gives it because of who he is and the mercy in his heart. And so because we have been forgiven by God, it's very important to remember this, that on the cross, God in Jesus Christ forgave us the unspeakable. What happened to Jesus was the unspeakable sin. It was the greatest violation because he was sinless. He did not deserve it at all, and yet God forgave. And so the one who hurt you, offended you, violated you, damaged you, also can stand at the foot of the cross and receive forgiveness. There is this possibility. And so when forgiveness is received from God, they can too be forgiven. And so we should not allow pride in our hearts, thinking that we are better in whichever way, that we're more righteous, we don't do the sins that they do. We all do our own sins. Perhaps we can have pride that, you know, I'm trapped as a victim. and that became, Now, I'm not denying that victimhood is real. I'm saying when it becomes a source of pride that we're always hurt and we're always the one who's done wrong, it may become an obstacle to making forgiveness easy. We're all in need of a second chance, and God has given us that chance if we repent. A third aspect of why perhaps forgiveness is so difficult is, is that sometimes we have a misunderstanding about forgiveness. Sometimes we think that if I forgive the person, they can get away with what they've done. And this can become for some people a really obst an obstacle to forgiveness because they feel that if they forgive, the person won't be held accountable. The person would just be able to get away with it, irrespective of what they've done. Perhaps they stole from you and you feel that if you forgive them, you can't make them pay it back. And I'm not sure there's necessarily that causal link. I do believe it's, it's possible to forgive from our hearts, to make the choice to forgive and come free in our hearts. No bitterness, no resentment, no hatred. And then still be possible to hold people accountable because it's the right thing to do. And so you can also realize once you've done forgiveness that you don't want the person to pay back or you don't want whatever consequences, judgment, justice to be done in that place. There are stories where people forgive and they are able to completely release the person who's wronged them. But forgiving and not holding people accountable are not necessarily joined at the hip. I believe they are two separate processes. So this is why forgiveness can be difficult. But what is forgiveness? And the important thing here to remember in answer to the question of what is forgiveness is that forgiveness is firstly a choice. It's not a feeling. If we had to rely on our feelings to decide if we want to forgive somebody, we never will because we've been hurt and violated and damaged. Our feelings will never align that way. So forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice that says that I'm going to release this person in my heart, in my inner being. Uh, I don't want to hold bitterness against them. I don't want to hold resentment. I don't want to hold judgment. I'm choosing not to hate them anymore. I do think, having said that there's a choice, is that there is an emotional component to forgiveness, but it follows the choice. It doesn't precede the choice. You'll never feel like forgiving. You choose to forgive, and then the feelings may follow. Sometimes it may take a while, and sometimes it might take repeated choices to forgive. In my story, I remember the, the, the day after I could realize that I've definitely forgiven my father, where for the first time in my life, I could look him in the eye and sincerely say, I want you to know, Dad, I really love you. And I'm so grateful you're my dad and so grateful for what you've done. 
and I could mean it from the bottom of my heart. And the feelings followed the choice. It's a choice that enables us in our hearts to say, you owe me nothing. I might still hold you accountable for what you've done because it was wrong, but in the sense of in my inner space, in my emotions, in my will, in my soul, you owe me nothing. It's a bit like Jesus saying on the cross, it is finished. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do, and it is finished. Can Sometimes when you make the choice to forgive, you can also honestly say it is finished. Now, for some people, particularly where the damage is real and the damage is cheap, deep, there might need to be a journey with perhaps a counselor or a pastor, or a pastoral counselor or a friend or with God, a journey of healing so that you can come to a place where you're sufficiently healed enough to be able to forgive. But I do also believe that forgiveness is a critical part in people's healing journeys. So forgiveness is a choice. Now, how do I forgive someone? Simply put, you make a choice. You decide internally, I am going to forgive this person. No matter what they've done to me, no, no matter the effects in my life, I'm going to make a choice to forgive them. Once that choice is made, just from practice and experience, I found, I found it helpfully enormous for, uh, help, enormously helpful, let me say it the right way around, enormously helpful for people to speak it out, often in prayer. And so often when we pray with people to forgive, we'll ask them to take responsibility for any part they might have had, ask God to forgive them for any bitterness, resentment, hatement, hatred, judgment that might be in their hearts. And then just out loud to speak it out and say, I forgive this person for what they did to me and for the effect, if you can name the effect, this effect that it had on my life. Sometimes you can make this prayer on your own. You can pray it on your own. Sometimes it helps to pray it with someone you trust, maybe like a pastor or a spouse or a close friend. But to speak it out and to say it, often if there's a friend there, it's helpful because then you know there's a witness to what you've done and they can remind you of that moment. What people have sometimes found helpful is to uh, write down what they're forgiving people for, like a letter to themselves, ne never intending it to, to send it or to send it to the person. If you're going to do this electronically, just make sure you never email it. But just to write it down, because sometimes writing it down brings it out and it makes it more concrete for people. So you make the choice, you speak it out. And whether that's speaking it or writing it, just something to make it tangible and concrete is very helpful. Sometimes it is necessary to go to the person and say, I want you to know that I forgive you. This requires courage. It requires bravery. Very important. It also requires the other person to at least know about it. It's very awkward if you walk up to someone and you say, I want you to forgive me for doing this. And they just had no idea. You're more likely to break the relationship then than restore the relationship. Because the reason you go and ask forgiveness, particularly in family situations where everybody knows what happened, is that you're forgiving so that there can be an opportunity to rebuild relationships, to restore broken relationships. So just an important qualification on how to forgive. Remember, you can forgive and still hold people accountable. But forgiveness does not mean that you lose your common sense. Forgiveness does not mean that you act unwisely or that you don't hold people to account. You don't leave your children with someone who is dangerous or, or perhaps an alcoholic or someone who's irresponsible because you've forgiven them because they were irresponsible with you. That's common sense. You don't you exercise wisdom. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you don't act with wisdom and common sense. Now, before we draw this message to a close, I'd like to just do a little uh, excursus, go on a little tangent and talk about two other aspects of forgiveness. The first one that's important to recognize is that forgiveness can go beyond individuals. Sometimes we need to forgive groups of people. 
whole nations, race groups. Sometimes we need to forgive institutions. Sometimes we need to forgive systems. So forgiveness can even be towards things that they don't have a, like a, they're not rooted in a person. It's like the system of apartheid. Sometimes it's necessary to forgive against that or the system of communism or the system of capitalism. Sometimes we need to forgive on that level too. Uh, and that's often sometimes a journey as well. But particularly, you know, as we were, were recording this uh, for our series on ETV, there's one of the great questions is, how do we handle something like what's so prevalent in the world today, like cancel culture? Now, cancel culture is where someone has offended you or actually sometimes even someone has offended somebody else or done wrong to somebody else. You pick up that offense or you pick up that outrage and you cancel them. In other words, you just write them off completely. And I think that that's a very dangerous response because, first of all, it's unbiblical. The biblical response is always to work towards restoring restoring relationships and reconciling people. And I don't think the Bible allows us as believers in Jesus to cancel people because they're made in the image of God. They can be completely sinful. They can be 100% wrong. They could have perpetuated injustice. But I believe forgiveness can lead to a reconciliation and restoration of relationships. And this is the danger in cancel culture because there is no way back. People are just written off. There's no opportunity to reconcile, to find constructive solutions, to dialogue, to engage. So sometimes forgiveness goes beyond the individual space. Second aspect that I just thought to comment on here is that sometimes the most difficult person to forgive is yourself, particularly if you know you've really done wrong, where you've really disappointed others. Maybe you've just deeply disappointed yourself. I want to point out that God has forgiven you. If you've taken responsibility, 1 John 1 verse 9, if you're faithful and just to confess your sins, God is faithful to forgive you. So if you've taken your sins before the Lord and you've confessed them, where you've needed to make right, you've done your best to make right, where you've needed to ask forgiveness, you've asked forgiveness, you've taken the responsibility you can. If you need to make restitution, you try and make that as best as you can. So if you've confessed and repented of your sins and you still can't forgive yourself, often that comes to this matter of pride again, where we need to recognize that God has forgiven us. Therefore, we should also be prepared to at least forgive ourselves and to work towards forgiving ourselves as well. And so sometimes the hardest person to forgive is ourselves. And then we come to the cross and we experience the forgiveness of God towards us. And if God can forgive us, and he can, there's nothing that God won't forgive if you repent and confess and take responsibility for it as the scriptures teach. There's nothing God won't forgive. We should not let the pride in our hearts stop us from asking for forgiveness either. And so just as we bring this message to some form of application, there's so many testimonies I've had over the years of where we've prayed with people for forgiveness and someone they haven't spoken to in years where there was issues of unforgiveness calls them shortly, uh, where relationships have been restored, where there's been emotional healing, sometimes even physical healing. And so when we forgive, we must also just recognize that we're making space for the supernatural to kick in. Sometimes we're forgiven and nothing supernatural happens. But when we do forgive, we're creating a doorway, an opportunity for God to act and for relationships to be restored. There's many great stories of forgiveness. Uh, just to maybe mention one, there's a lady called Corrie ten Boom. During the Second World War, her and her family uh, were hiding Jewish people from the Nazis and they got betrayed, which meant that her and her whole family got sent off to the concentration camps 
during the Second World War. And her and her sister ended up in the same camp. And there was particularly a guard who was really, really cruel. And he actually made his, her sister's life unbearable to the extent that not just because of this guard alone, but because of the whole situation, situation and system in the camps, that her sister died in the camps. But Corrie ten Boom knew God. She was a believer. And so as she came out of the World War and, and so on, God called her to ministry, and she started teaching and speaking on forgiveness. Amazing, amazing testimony. But one day she was teaching at a church on forgiveness and testifying to what God had done in her life during the Second World War. And a man came after the service walking up the aisle. And I'm sure you might guess who he was. He was the, that God, the one that was so cruel, the one that was so harsh. And he was able to share with her how he had come to know Christ and then ask her out loud to forgive. And Corrie ten Boom's testimony is amazing where she could not find it in herself to do that, but she found it in Christ. She recognized how much Jesus had forgiven her. And in doing that, she found the grace to stand there to a man that was abusive and cruel in the concentration camps and from the bottom of her heart to be able to say, I forgive you, and then to embrace. And that became a testimony which led many other people to knowing God as well. In our own context here in South Africa, we would just need to think of someone like Nelson Mandela who came out of prison with a heart and an attitude of forgiveness, forgiveness towards the system, forgiveness towards people who had wronged him, forgiveness towards a whole population group, and the difference that that forgiveness made in the reconciliation story of our nation, and hopefully in the ongoing reconciliation story in our nation. You see, sometimes our lives are like an iceberg, and I'm sure you're all aware that icebergs, what you see above the water is only 10%. The mass or the bulk of an iceberg is below the water. And when we have unforgiveness in our hearts, often it's not visible above the water. It's not visible in how we think, feel, and act and interact on a daily basis. But under the water, there's resentment and anger and judgment and criticism, hatred that are brewing. And then we find ourselves snapping at people or avoiding people, not going to certain places, walking circles around you know, different situations and, and so on. And sometimes we find what we call strange fruit. We, we have the stuff going on in our, under the water in our lives and we find anger coming out and resentment. And often that is rooted in a lack of forgiveness where beneath the surface we're still holding grudges and we're still harboring unforgiveness in our hearts. And so just a last thought before we pray. I believe that the more intolerant the world around us be becomes, and I think it will become increasingly intolerant. I think the more exponentially important forgiveness is. And so part of my prayer and my hope for this message today is that there can be a move, a revival of forgiveness in people's hearts, a revival of forgiveness across our nation. But it starts with you. It starts in your heart. It starts in your family. It starts in your home. And then it can move on to your front line, your workplace, that place that God has put you to be an influence for his kingdom. Because when we forgive, we say yes to second chances. When we come to God and ask forgiveness, we get a new life and we get a second chance at life. And when we forgive others, we are saying yes to second chances. When we ask forgiveness, we're creating opportunities, possibilities for second chances. 
And so as we close this message, I'd like to pray into two areas. One, if you are in need of forgiveness, if you are in need of a second chance, and that will be the first part of my prayer. The second part of my prayer will be to lead you in a prayer of forgiveness if you need to forgive others. And so maybe even as you're sitting there, the Lord's reminded you of someone or a situation or an event or something. And I would suggest that that memory is not by accident. I would suggest that maybe the Lord wants you to forgive in that space. Let's, let's pray together. First, if you're in need of forgiveness. Lord, won't you forgive me for what I have done? I recognize it as sinful. And perhaps you can mention that just loud enough for yourself to hear. Forgive me for the sin, Lord, and I want to repent. I want to walk away from it, and I want to walk towards Christ. I acknowledge that all my sin is firstly sin against you before it's sin against others, and so would you forgive me for that? And so I confess my sin and ask that you would forgive me your sin. Forgive me this sin. And help me, Father, to take the courage to have the humility to go and ask for forgiveness where I need to in this situation. Now, for those of us who need to forgive others, won't you join me in prayer? Father, today I recognize that forgiveness is a choice. And so in this moment and in this time, I want to forgive. And here you can just name the people, the events and the situations that come to mind. I want to forgive. If this is the first time you've ever done this, you might want to have just a piece of paper where you can write down people you need to forgive. Once you've done that, you can pray with me further and say, Lord, I choose to forgive these people today. Forgive me where I've held bitterness, resentment, hatred, criticism or judgment in my heart, any ill will in my heart towards these people. Won't you forgive me for that, Lord? Because I recognize I'm responsible for that part. And now as I forgive, Lord, I speak out forgiveness to these people. And I'm going to keep on speaking it out, Lord, in Jesus' name until the feelings follow. And so, Lord, I want to pray just for everybody that's listening to this message today that you would supernaturally restore, that you would supernaturally heal, that you would bring comfort and release in people's hearts. Perhaps that they've been bound up in chains of unforgiveness and bitterness, that as they forgive, those chains would fall off and they can walk free and walk whole and become more like you. Thank you that you have forgiven us much. You have forgiven us that which we could never repay. And so in turn, Lord, we want to pre-commit to being a forgiving people, a people who will forgive as we have been forgiven. Where we have freely received forgiveness, we want to freely be able to give forgiveness. And from the bottom of our hearts to be able to say to people, in my heart, you owe me nothing. In my heart, you owe me nothing. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. Trust you have a blessed week in Jesus' name.